What's up, guys? It's another beautiful Wheel Wednesday podcast. We are back in 2023. I'm Luis from Koenig, and this is my buddy. Rich from Koenig Wheels. An esteemed colleague. Yes. Esteemed. What does that mean? Uh, well liked. <laughs> <laughs> but what's up, guys? I'm excited to actually have this conversation today. The one we actually have a very cool guest coming on today. He's actually my buddy. He's actually someone that I know very well. He's my crewmate. Uh, for some of you that don't know, and some of you do know, I'm actually a b boy as well. And this guy is actually part of my b boy crew. But and if, and if you don't know what b boying is, it's break dancing. Break dancing. <laughs> yeah, we do all that. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm excited to bring him on because not only that, he's also an automotive car guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the things that we have in common. And I'm excited because he actually has a podcast called Nam Saying that's actually a really well-known podcast in the automotive community. Cars and convos. Not cars and <clears throat> cars and convo, but not only do they do that, they also do stuff for the PNW community. And I'm excited to have him uh, on the podcast. We want to welcome Garrett from Nam Saying Cars and Convo Podcast. What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, Luis? What's going on, Rich? Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be on. Um, yeah, another Wheel Wednesday. Uh, thanks for, again, the invite. Luis, it's great to see you. Rich, nice to meet you for the first time. Yes, you as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Thanks, guys. Yo, man, I'm excited to have you on. And this is something that we've had in the works for a while. Like, me and Garrett kind of always wanted, like, uh, you know, we were talking about me coming on Nam Sane and having conversations on there as well as a, as a guest and all that. And I'm excited that he's on here because, I, you know, we have so much in common. You know, we're, we're hip-hop heads, but on top of the fact that we're also your uh, car enthusiasts as well. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and again, like, that was, uh, I mean, we already have a, a background with... Uh, Breaking. I mean, me and Luis have, have been crew members for many years, uh, traveled and, and competed in other states and, and gotten to uh, boogie and, and uh, work together to work on our craft, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's always been a great time visiting Luis and, and traveling, competing with him. Um, and then on top of that, like like you said, uh, I, I also reached out to Luis because uh, I work with a group out here called Nam San. Uh, we were uh, we put together a podcast called the Nam San Cars and Convos podcast. Uh, Nam San was started by a couple of brothers out here. The name's Walter and Al Franco. Uh, they put together this just real genuine um, community over cars kind of idea uh, uh, gathering group. Um, I would call it, you know, even a branding, but even more than that, because it's definitely a community out here. Um, what they kind of curated, I even was just a part of. You know, I, I was definitely one of those people that just started to go to the Nam Sein events. Um, I, you know, knew Walter and Al from high school. They were a couple years older than me. So, you know, I, I always already saw them as like some of the cool kids from back in the day. And uh, and then just through time, you know, uh, going to all their events, you know, hanging out with them, getting to know them more, pitched them the idea of like, hey, I think you guys need to, to start a podcast. I have a background in radio. I came from radio. So I worked at uh, Sports Talk Radio. So I used to do a, a, you know, just call in and talk sport trash and all that kind of stuff for four hours in the afternoon on uh, local color radio. And that was a lot of fun. And so uh, taking some of that love, I, I kind of pitched it to them like, I think we should have this kind of, you know, cars and convo idea. And they were like, absolutely, this is something they'd wanted to do. And so I got to be kind of uh, part of the the growing um, a team there. But uh, but yeah, no, no, I'm saying very cool uh, that we've been able to kind of branch out and talk to different people in our direct community, bring out stories of, you know, past uh, car lovers and, and the car community from like the 80s and 90s. Um, and just tell those stories that uh, that really build our community up and, and keep people like interested more than just the cars. You know, I mean, we love talking about cars, but some of the best things that we've had in our community is just sometimes the old school, you know, conversations to people that were like, I used to roll with Sir Mix-a-Lot. 
uh, down in the eighties <laughs> off Broadway for that song called Posse on Broadway. And it's like, man, are you for real? It's like, yeah, that was about Broadway in Seattle. So some of those things are very cool to like, you know, just get an introspect, uh, uh, look at that you don't really ever get to hear or they never got written down. So it's like really just a word of mouth story. Um, beyond that though, the Namsang community that, uh, Alan Walter built, um, is definitely, uh, definitely a beautiful, you know, genuine community. They throw cruise events, they throw, um, car meets. Again, I, I, go to all of these things and and definitely uh have partaken in them for for years now and what they're doing out there is definitely one of the uh one of the things that's that's from the uh, grassroots as i would say you know they're really coming from from the uh from the people for the people um and then on top of that uh in my daily role um i also uh am the membership manager of the shop club so, so uh, which is yeah and, and we wanted to talk <laughs> about this because we were all here interested when you said to me this is a country club for gearheads. Mm -hmm. I had to Google it mm -hmm. myself. I was like, wait, 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 what does that even mean? And then I Googled it and I looked into it and I'm like, we were all kind of like, yo, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wait, sure. wait, they have, you guys have courses in there. You guys have like, what, what, what else? Did uh, no, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, no. You, I mean, he, I'll, you run, know it, I'll run it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, the, the shop is a very unique uh, uh, location. I, I recently joined this place. I found out about him a couple of years ago and, you know, just kind of through serendipity ended up being able to join their team as the membership manager. But the shop club is, again, the country club for gearheads. So what that means is, is the best way I can put it is think about the country club that you already know. Yeah. Like a golf country club. Uh -huh. Lots of amenities. Got pros on, on right. deck. They have uh, classes you can take. They have really, really great deals on clubs. You can get maybe special events or you get you know special access to professionals or other things like that. So take all those ideas, spin them directly towards motorcycles and cars. We have a 55,000 square foot facility in Seattle. That's that facility cool. houses seven lifts. It has oh two God. wash bays. It has access to all types of tools, whether they be air tools, metric, standard. All of that is all usable by our members. We have technicians on hand that can actually do work on our members' cars if they like. Everything from just like I need oil change and tire rotation all the way up to I want a turbo kit put on my car. We also have metal fabrication. So we're actually building two Broncos in there that are full up, built up from the frame. Broncos are going to have Coyote 5.0 Mustang motors in them. Oh um, we do everything from lead laying to re uh, putting in floorboards to, you know, uh, doing wood buck metal hammering in house. Uh, our uh, Elliot, our metal fabricator is an amazing guy. He does all the work for our, our uh, membership guys that need like, you know, front lips or again, the new bumper for their 911 or something like that. So again, it, it is truly taking all of the, the amenities you can put into what the gearhead wants and putting it under one roof. And then on top of that, we store cars for our members. So as a member, you can store a car in our facility. It comes with a full valet service. Our valet team will grab a car no matter where it is in our facility. If you give us an hour, we'll have it pulled out, wiped down, vacuumed, and ready for our member to pick it up and enjoy it for the day. Um, they bring it back. They just drop it off. Even if they only wanted to drive it for a day, they can just drop it back off. We put it back in the collection. No problem. On top of that, we have events there that are like uh, we had the singer Porsche um, um, group come out. They brought out two of their cars. We had uh, their head kind of marketing out there and talking to our members about like what it is to build these kind of bespoke cars. We had Patrick Long, uh, one of the only American uh, drivers for Porsche, come out and do like a lunch Q&A with like a bunch of our members and some Jeez. of the public just kind of saying, hey, this is what do you want to know about what it's like to actually race and what is the you know kind of ins and outs of this life? Um, we had Flying Lizard Race Team come out and sit with about 45 of our members and go over what it is to set up a suspension for a track car. 
you know, they went over and brought in one of their beautiful uh, Cup 911s, went over like what are the best tricks and trades of like how to like keep tire pressures and uh, and like suspension numbers in the right like queue, how to, not, you know, come into bad habits or things like that when like going into race tracks and that kind of thing. What are the most common uh, places to look for wear or damage? I mean, it was just total stuff that you would never be able to get or find necessarily. And it was being taught by, you know, the true professionals that are taking this stuff out into the the actual real world so we bring all that into one house and then we try to bring all of our community together to not only mingle with these professionals and hang out and have like a new place to be their front room but also to meet other members and maybe meet their next best friend you know what i mean like we want other people to hang out and actually like share their own passions with each other so so you know and by the way we're not you know it seems like we're doing a commercial for this for the shop but it's just <laughs> literally we're interested yeah. in what's going on over right, there because right. sure. i gotta think about it do we have anything i don't think we I've, have anything I've like that i've never heard of anything like that ever you know which is awesome. kind of cool yeah, yeah yeah no it's really cool to kind of see that that that's happening you know yeah, what i'm saying but, but, but yeah members only you know yeah. auto club almost and yeah gives yep. you everything you need that's that's awesome well so out of curiosity though like what is it like do you guys are you guys selective with the members that you have or Doesn't can anyone join they have? <laughs> do they have do they have a specific do they have to have a specific type of car yeah, or is come, it just can I come through to daewoo lanis or something <laughs> yes so here's the funny thing about that like we we do have some uh stipulations on membership but it's not based on car and it's not based on uh financial it's wow. based on your behavior like we've uh -huh. had members that have very nice cars but we have a public restaurant and we have some members that have uh, come in or brought other people that wanted to become members and they didn't treat our wait staff very well uh -huh. that meant we were not going to extend them an offer for becoming a member because if that type of person can't even treat our wait staff very well what are they going to do to other members yeah. what kind of behavior and kind of ego are they going to bring into our open discussions um, and so in that way that's really more so what we are we don't care what kind of car you got uh, it's $150 a month only to keep this membership. That includes everything. There's no extra cost to rent our, our lifts. Yeah, There's no extra cost to use our tools. 150 bucks gets you in every month. It gets you access to everything 100%. If you wanted to wash your car, if you had a Daewoo Lawless, but you signed up and you were a great person who loved to work on his Lawless, but like just loved the car community and you wanted to come into our shop and wash your Lawless every single day, as a member, you can. No problem. Doesn't matter. We're there for the community. And we're definitely more about the people than just the cars. Now, with that being said, a lot of our members have a lot of nice cars. So we have everything in the collection from, you know, old like 1930s, like REO speed wagons, mm -hmm. um, which are like coach built cars all the way up to like Carrera GTs, which right. are, you know, $2 million, you know, supercars basically. Um, but nobody is, is ever kept out for their type of car. We have guys that work on their cars all the time that like track some of their cars. Mm -hmm. Some of them have, you know, Porsches that they track. Some of them have Focuses that they track. A couple of them have the spec Miatas that they love to take to the racetrack. Some of them drive their Miata with tires and a small trailer to the track, drive it back, put everything into the collection and store it for the wintertime when they're not racing. So, I mean, we totally are here about the people who want to be here. But it's also got to be about that community. Are you a good-minded person? Do you want to link up with people? Is this more of like an ego flex? Because if it is, we may not be the place for you. We want all of our members to come together and hang out. And again, we have a member lounge. So while we do have a public restaurant at the shop, there's an actual like membership lounge that has TVs and conference rooms. We actually have, because we're a private membership, we are allowed to do uh, cigars. And we, so we have an indoor behind Damn, the Damn, bro. Living lavish, man. Bro, bro. It is. I'm going to, so by the way, Garrett, I'm going to Seattle in, I think, April for yeah. a wedding. But we're yes. actually driving up to, um, to Snohomish, like Excellent. that area. But there's a day that I have off and I'm going to actually mm -hmm. stay with Theus. 
Yes. And uh, we can meet up, bro. I want to check out this spot, bro. Oh, we have to. We oh, have will. to. Um, I want to feel lounge. cool. I want to have yeah. a cigar. Like, <laughs> oh, yes. Like, yeah. The coolest thing is we kind of did I, it over the top. The I work owner, in automotive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an automotive guy. What's up? Are you an automotive guy? <laughs> yeah. Man, drive the thing is we, uh, we put it all behind a, a, a great facade. So the uh, if you walk into the club membership area, you know, there's couches out there. There's a pool table. We also have a full VR race simulator. But on Jeez. one wall, Crazy. on one wall, there's a bookcase. Oh, you three can read. The middle bookcase. That's the first thing I'm gonna do. <laughs> at a at a at a at a country car country club, I'm gonna go get exactly. a book. Like, so, but, but the, the middle, middle bookcase in the uh, on the wall is actually a false door. You push it, and it opens into our cigar lounge that has Bro, a fireplace and everything that. behind <laughs> the bookcase. So it's a full on. I mean, you basically come in a robe and, it, and you know you have a little cognac and you swirl it and you hold your cigar and you, hey, I don't ever get no respect. Hey, <laughs> like, what do you, you do? Drive? A little Rodney Dangerfield. Right. Like, what do you drive? He says McLaren. I'm like, well, I got a 2017 Ford Fiesta. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Muy Fiesta. <laughs> Yo, but I'm I'm excited. That sounds crazy. Like legitimately, you, you go I know he's gonna take me. That's mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. the cool. Thing about it, like, I'll give you know you the I mean? full royal treatment, absolutely. Yeah. And they're opening more of them. So the cool thing is, there's more than one location. Uh, there's also a shop in Dallas. Uh, they're opening another one in Houston. There's one going to be opening in Palm Springs, and then they're looking at, at hopefully Miami. They do want to get into New York and other places. Mostly, it's because of uh, you need a large space to do this type of thing, mm-hmm. especially because you need the car storage on top of the fact that it's not just about storing cars. They want to have the amenities in the clubhouse side of it. So getting into places like New York is mostly about trying to find a space that you don't have to charge an arm and a leg. Because the other side is it doesn't really behoove us to get a really expensive space and then make it more than 150 bucks. Bro, the New biggest York, point is we don't want to kick people out just because yeah. of finances. So that's that's the kind of idea of it too is we want to keep it low enough that it's accessible to everybody but you know, is, is big enough that we're not just saying, oh, we're at capacity at only 20 because our, our space is too small. So That's the thing about out here in New York. It's like most of the people that – like the car people that are here – usually have like shops outside of new york meaning like yeah. not new york proper like for example like there's some in long island mm-hmm. then you'll have you know some in connecticut then you have some in jersey but mm-hmm. new york proper it's very few far in between that you'll find a good car shop uh or anything anything like it, car related because it's just so condensed and small and then not only that overpriced you're living yeah. for a closet you're paying like what Twenty five hundred a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like apartments are crazy, bro. Yeah. Out here. yeah. So yeah. I can only imagine what parking is. Because yeah. imagine you don't get great yeah. parking, but if it ever oh, even God. becomes available, a small spot must be thousands of dollars. But you can. I mean, <laughs> if you have the money, Brooklyn. It, it seems like a lot of shops normally kind of like pile their cars. Yeah. Into like a really small parking lot yeah. where they flood the street. Yeah. You know, and they're not it's supposed to do weird. that. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not supposed to. I don't know. You, you have to work with what you got, which is not much over here. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so obviously we try to make it uh, into in areas where we can obviously get the full space so that we can have, again, the clubhouse side of it. Because the biggest thing that we never want to do is just be, you know, car storage, because that's not the point. It's more about building community than anything else. So, yeah, that that kind of is, is if I was to put it in a nutshell, that is what the shop is. And that is what a country club for gearheads kind of means. Mm-hmm. It's really focusing it to take away if you can't have a garage like you think of for your, you know, at your house, like, you you know, the classic, uh, you know, gearhead would want. We try to fulfill that and not make it too expensive. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So one of the things I wanted to kind of do, Garrett, is although I know you very well, I wanted to kind of hear you. I don't know this side of you, actually. Sure. Like what 
I know that you know you have your own garage and stuff like that, and that you have your your own stuff that you do. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about how you your journey into to cars. Like, how did that happen? Like, what did you you know? Where did it start? Was it just you know one day you got a car like everybody else and just started working on it, and then it progressed from there? Or how how did your love for cars happen? For sure, for sure. Thanks. Uh, no, it, it started uh, it started with my father. So my father got me into cars. I started at the uh, University of Flashlight Holding, um, so I had to graduate from there first. You know, uh, you know, nice. dad telling me where to point the flashlight, kind of walking me through like what we were doing. You know, yeah. this is what this is how an ignition system works. This is why we're gapping spark plugs. This is how you know a push rod works. This is how a camshaft works. You know, these are the differences that you're looking at here. Um, from there, you know, I was kind of bitten by the bug. Um, you know, obviously, you know, mostly using hand tools. Um, but most of the stuff I was working on with, with Pops was, uh, was you know, older, you know, muscle car stuff or, you know, old uh, vintage cars. So things that were just more simple mechanically, not a lot of extra parts, not even a lot of extra wires, you know, sometimes only a single, you know, ignition, uh, you know, coming from, you know, six cylinders. So you're not really dealing with too much there. And of course, no computers. So I really got bit by the bug for just turning wrench and, and you know, taking apart things like that. Um, from there, you know, it started to get into other cars, um, you know, from, from, um, German cars, working into, you know, Japanese cars. I kind of just fell in love with all the different types of cars. And, and the biggest thing for me was I loved the quirkiness that you could find in engineering. You could find, you know, an inline six from six different companies, but it would be slightly honed differently. Different materials would be used, different ideas of engineering with cooling would be used and you'd get completely different sounds. You get completely different, you know, uh, power bands or ways that the motor would spin. And so that started to really intrigue me. And so from there, it was just, you know, trying to, you know, jump down the rabbit hole. So then it was you know, building personal projects, you know, having fun with them, taking them to shows as much as I could, um, you know, uh, racing them as much as uh, one could, um, you know, here, here nor there, uh, whether it be in the streets or uh, at some of our places out here in, in the Pacific Northwest. We, we are blessed to have quite a bit of uh, driving available out here, but, you know, you sometimes, you know, have fun on the street as well, I guess, from time to time. <laughs> um, but, you know, building those kind of cars just, you know, led me down into even more, you know, got into more engineering with bikes, uh, really fell in love with motorcycling as well. Um, ended up getting into like old bikes, doing like carbureted bikes and uh, even stuff like two-stroked uh, bikes, which have, you know, oil injection and those kind of things into mm -hmm. it. So just really fell, fell down the hole of, of automotive and just loved it. So it was always a passion, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like me and Luis share a passion for dance. You know, you don't know necessarily why you do it, but it makes you feel good and you're happy when you're doing it and it makes you feel better than you're doing other things. So I never quit, you know, working on cars and just trying to make new projects and work on new technology or old technology and figure it out, figure out what worked or, or what kind of interesting things maybe were made for a short time, maybe because they were too expensive, but you got a limited, you know, window of, oh, wow, this engineering was really cool and, and, uh, and got to use it. One of the projects that uh, I'm currently just wrapping up took me quite a while to finish uh, is a rotary project. So I've been uh, building a- That's what uh, I kind of wanted to get into. Yeah. For 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 you know those watching, he's actually working on an FDRX7 mm -hmm. and you know it's a rotary project obviously and and that's got to be difficult man. Like I don't know how like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know why you first and foremost just the fact of how it's just built the whole car. Like the maintenance that you probably have to maintain on that car itself. Like what does that look like for you, man? Well, it's a, it's one of those things that's like it's a labor of love, I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> this particular one is uh, has been about a 10-year project. Wow. Um, it takes a lot of time to get performance pieces for rotary if you're going to start to build it up or try to make like what we were trying to do. We were trying to make it spin to high RPM. We were also trying to get a little bit more power into it. And it's also a very small motor. 
Um, so when you're dealing with that, you're also dealing with just not as many engineers. So the really, really talented people that can build rotary stuff are fewer and far between, and they're in more demand. So you have to wait for their product. Then sometimes you're also at the mercy of just other outside sources. There is a couple times when I got, you know, a refinished eccentric shaft, which is kind of like the, the crankshaft in a regular piston driven motor. Yeah. And I, you know, I sent it out. It was lightened and, 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 you know, had, you know, balancing done. And then I'd get it back. And because of something due to shipping, the box came back, looked like somebody drop kicked it, you know, and my piece is damaged. So it's like, well, I had to wait oh. for this piece to get fixed. He did a good job, and then because somebody decided, I don't really care about my work on Tuesday, fuck this box. Uh, sorry, my language. Uh, then I had to wait again to go be like, hey, man, can you redo the work? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. But then you're just, you know, well, another six weeks, so you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, so for Rotary, that was the biggest thing that I ran into. Sometimes you're just waiting to find the right people. And, yeah. and some people promise they can do it, but when it comes to Rotary, if you really don't know what you're doing, you can easily get yourself into trouble or you can just damage the pieces. Um, it, it doesn't have a lot of moving parts, but they move completely differently than a traditional motor. Um, you have about eight moving actual parts inside the motor that are going on. But mm -hmm. again, it's spinning triangles. So if you you know bore something over in the wrong way or you thin out something too much on the metal, it'll heat up, it'll melt. Um, yeah. it, it'll have, you know, too much overlap. It won't run correctly. So, I mean, again, some people think they know what they're doing and they say they can, but again, they, they, you know, they're going off of what they learned from the piston world. And, and some of that obviously right. translates physics wise, but other things you got to do just specifically for rotary, cause it's just a weird motor. It doesn't mm -hmm. quite work on the same principle. So, um, it's been a lot of fun to, to go over it. It's uh, again, I've taken a lot of time to do very specific stuff to the build, um, I worked with a great engine builder who definitely went above and beyond. Uh, he's one of those guys that kind of is eccentric mm -hmm. uh, in his in his work. Uh, his name's John Swide. He's uh, he's got a, uh, a shop out in Michigan. Uh, it's called uh, Legend Motorsport, and uh, and they just do. I mean, he does engine builds like like nobody I've seen. He he takes you know uh, hand tools and dimples all the uh, the intake runners that look like golf balls. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing the amount of detail he does just because he's like, no, it has to be honed perfectly if you want it to rev to this level, if you want it to last any kind of time, if you don't want it to build up carbon in these areas that are weak. He's kind of a Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future when it comes to this thing. He kind of can make the flux capacitor work, and nobody knows why, but he can make it work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been working with him and, and getting things uh, all buttoned up, and again, mostly finding pieces. But it's been a 10-year project. It's finally uh, come to closure. Um, it ran about, uh, we, we kind of went between uh, a middle tune in the end. We ran it all the way up to about 21 pounds of boost for maximum yeah. power. Nice. Uh, it produced 591 wheel horsepower. Uh, <laughs> we detuned it a little bit. We brought it back down to about 17, 18 pounds maximum just to keep the EGTs down. The exhaust gas temps were uh, getting quite high with anything with rotary. You have a lot of heat. Um, it's a tiny little motor, but it spins really quickly. And then obviously your turbo is obviously the quickest thing that, that maintains your you know heat. And so my hot side was starting to get really hot so we just kind of brought it back down so we're probably around the 500 510 at, at, at we sit and then it's obviously dialable down we can take it down with the haltech system that we uh, put through there we nice. ran full haltech uh, uh 2500 elite uh, ecu so lots of controllability so we're able to kind of just take it down uh, and, and put it around you know about a bar about 14 pounds of boost and you can just move it around tool it around without having any issue the computer will catch up and then you can dial it right back up if you need to and it goes right up to the 17 18 and is happy as a clam and and does everything we need to so it's uh it's one of those ones that uh, we kind of did above and beyond when it comes to all the safety uh, parameters again we did the haltech so we had like you know a lot of controls we were, were running meth injection we're running six injectors so we're running uh four 2000 uh, uh injector dynamics and then two 1050s 
uh, for just kind of running around and idling and keeping it, uh, you know, uh, uh, moving around on city streets and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But it's uh, it's all the, I guess the testament to the build is the goal of the whole thing was to make a wolf's in sheep's clothing. So we kind of took right. the idea of I don't want to change the hood. I don't want to change the headlights. I don't want to change the front bumper. I don't want to change these things. I want to, I mean, if we have to adapt them or, or, or modify them slightly, let's do that. But let's try to wedge these types of performance components into the factory body lines and keep it looking like already a very nice looking FD. I think the lines of the uh, FD Arc 7 are already great, but let's see if we can engineer our way into like, can we stuff some oil coolers underneath the headlights? They already did in the factory, but can we make them a little bit better and, and, mm. and wire them a little bit nicer so they're even better looking, but again, sitting behind the, the factory mask. So we're just kind of making a, a super sport version of what Mazda already made. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been successful from what we have right now. It drives, it runs, it, it starts hot, it, it runs nice and cold. Um, I don't know if you guys know about uh, uh, performance cooling uh, products, but I went with a company called Davis Craig. They do an electric water pump. Sounds uh, familiar. And, yeah. Oh my God, is it yeah? works so good. It works so good. We are having problems keeping getting it up to temp. And so we actually had to like tell the Davis Craig, okay, stop cooling it. So <laughs> I mean, it's also nice to work in some of these things nowadays. Um, when I first got the car, I think the first computer system I was able to put on it was a uh, was a Power FC, mm -hmm. which is from Apexy. Okay. Um, you know, it it was I was able to tune it, but it was one of those things where you're looking at like a map full of uh, um, uh, fuel data. And it's, it's like you're watching this computer and it's highlighting one of these little bar areas so you can tune it. And it's like jumping around, jumping yeah. back and forth, jumping up and down. And I'm like, oh, is this normal? It's like, yeah, the computer's kind of looking around here. It's not really sure what it's looking at, but you need to make all these numbers kind of fit what the computer wants. And now working with like the Haltech or like the Davis Craig yeah. where everything is completely programmable to like degrees mm -hmm. um or like boost by gear boost by timing things like that with what the halitech do you're like oh it, it's much better to work on also these rotaries or any of these high-end cars with our level of tech that we have nowadays it is a godsend because i i can only imagine trying to do some of this stuff on oh absolutely the 90s computers and then oh 100 wrong you're gonna blow up your stuff for yeah. sure you're gonna blow it up yeah so yeah. That's, been a, that's been a learning curve but a lot of fun to, to put that type of stuff on some of this older 90s technology and, uh, and and kind of bring it to the to the modern day day uh, fold, bro. I'm 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 at, that's another <laughs> thing that I'm gonna have to check out while I'm out there, bro. Is this build? You know what I mean? Just because. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I see the amount of of time and effort that you've put on it, and I do remember you kind of mentioning the car a while back and kind of telling me about it. On top of the fact that you were working on another car too, which was the GT. The um, what was that car that you were working on? The it wasn't a Celica. It was something else that you were working on. Yeah, I had. A, I was working was on. No, it was. It was a Celica. I okay. Had a, I had an '88 Celica GT4. That's right. That's and, right. That's uh, right. So I was able to put that one together as well. That was actually kind of. Oh, that's a I good. Put that looking. one together while I was still working on the FD because it what was starting was it? to realize. Huh? What year was it? It was a 1988. Oh, 88. And so it's yeah, like, bro. That's a body style you like. That I like yeah. the '80 yeah. style bodies, bro. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, a big MR2. Like the '80s MR2 is my. Bro, it's like my dream car. You know what I'm saying? It's but, got all the extra homologation. That's the cool. It's got the edge, the the angle. It's got the pop up headlights. I agree with you. I think they're the best looking. Um, yeah, I built that one while I was building on the FD. So because it seemed like the FD was going to take much more time than I anticipated, and I didn't have any kind of fun car to drive around, I, I'd found that car in the Pacific Northwest. A lady up up in uh, Northern Washington had it. She was the original owner, wow. and I was able to pick it up from her. Uh, it was uh, red, leather interior. Five speed. Uh, it was the all track, so it had uh, the 3S GTE uh, all wheel drive. Uh, it was a blast. What happened um, to it? 
I'll, I ended up selling it uh, nice. after a couple of years. But what I ended up doing to it is actually randomly at one point, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but uh, I think something as far as my intake, like the plastic booting around the intake okay. actually like was breaking down or becoming brittle on the underside. And mm. I didn't realize this. And at some point, you know, in, in it just driving around and the motor moving, it started to crack and actually chip away at the underside of my plastic intake, again, past all of like the uh, air filter. And some of those pieces got actually chewed up inside of my intake. So I ended up actually having a uh, slight damage to my intake manifold and had, and you know, was kind of looking at like, well, what do I want to do here? I either have to like take this motor out and rebuild it or mm -hmm. I have to put a different motor in it. So what I ended up doing is um, because Toyota is, is awesome in their infinite wisdom of how they do that. I think it's called Kaizen, but yeah. they do this thing where they keep moving their engineering forward, but they don't erase their old engineering. Mm -hmm. So Basically, the uh, the 3S GTE has been made on a lot of cars. They put it in the MR2 that you love, and they yeah. put it in a bunch of other Celicas, and they put it in some other Japanese, like Camrys and Corollas as well. Like They put it in a ton of stuff that you didn't even necessarily get in America. But they also changed the motor itself. So they made like turbo versions. They made like the Red Top uh, 3S GE motor, which was like high compression and like... They made the Beams motor, which was like for the like Lexus IS300, and it was like a rear-wheel oh, drive, four-cylinder platform. And so, again, they, they used the, the 3S GE and 3S GT for a lot of stuff. So, because they made this Beams motor, the Beams motor was the same exact motor as mine, only not turbocharged. It had like 11 to 1 compression, which was basically like a, the Type R version of, of the Toyota's yep. You know, yep, yep. Uh, uh, motor. And it produced 210 horsepower. From the factory where my turbo motor because it was from 88 only produced 185 so i was going to lose the turbo lose the lag and i was going to gain more horsepower and just pure na you know yep. pull power so mm -hmm. i bought the red red top beams motor uh brought it in took it out uh dropped the you know the uh turbo motor out of the car and then be believe it or not the actual bell housing for the all-wheel drive system on my celica that only came with my celica fit the exact same mounting points on the new the best? motor nothing was different they even kept the old yeah. dowel pins that were used from my transmission awesome. they just don't change anything at toyota which again was just a testament to be like oh this fits newer models but also it'll fit all the old models because we're not going to change it. We'll just add the new pieces. We're not going to erase the history. So again, it was one of those things that just made it directly to it. I didn't have to do any other things. That's and the best when you're working on a project and, and, and it's, it's like, rare. and it just, it just happens where it's <laughs> it like, Oh works. my God, this works. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. And it makes everything and, a little bit easier. It, you, know? And that's, like, yes, you know what I mean? So I get that for sure, man. And I got, I mean, I got timing components, uh, all the like oiling uh, gaskets and, and seals all from Toyota still. And nice. they had everything. Nice. So, I mean, it's also wonderful to also sometimes work with manufacturers that have support. Yes. I've built some fun cars with friends, um, even restored some older cars. Like I, I rebuilt the Triumph with a, with a buddy of mine, an old Triumph yeah. GT6. Um, it's, you know, from the, from the uh, early seventies, yeah. but trying to find parts for an old British car, like electric parts or yep. something. Yep. Good luck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> nobody's got them. You're finding used parts. They're probably broken. So again, yeah. when you're also working with a company like Toyota, it, it sometimes choosing your 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 brand for your project also can make your whole project an easier project. Absolutely. I mean, I was able to complete that Celica and it was running so easily and so quickly. I was astonished. But also that comes from only a manufacturer like Toyota who stands so far behind their product that 
you can trust them. And if you get an old Toyota, they'll probably have parts for you. And there's probably going to be some information on it. And they probably have pictures of, of all the part numbers you'd ever need. And, and so some of that is kind of cool too. I think that's also something that, uh, I've learned from giving different projects over the years. Like if you want certain things, pick what you love, of course, but other things you might have to also pick your budget because you, some of these rare cars, some of these very cool cars, if they come from certain, you know, even certain countries, you know, I love my Italian heritage, but my Italian people aren't great about making electronics on their cars. I mean, <laughs> Italian cars are horrible when it comes to their accessories working or like oil spilling out. You know, it's like, uh, I'm too busy. I, I, I have to smoke. I, I Just look at the car. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, uh, and so, I mean, again, like some of those things are great and you want a Ferrari, but to, to, to work on it, to keep it up, to keep those things, it comes with a lot of extra work for, for the owner. So if you don't Absolutely. necessarily have that excess, you may not, you know, that may not be the project for you, but you can have a fun, fun project. Just have to pick the right manufacturer who's like, no, no, we have everything and we believe in this. Or you get something like, like a Lancia where yeah. it's like, oh, they were defunct back in the seventies. You'll never find anything from them. They, they just, they weren't even good when they were being made new. So mm -hmm. good luck to you, sir. You know, uh, and then they're expensive on top of it. So part of that is, I think uh, one of the things I learned is sometimes picking the right brand mm -hmm. will help you also Absolutely. build the part of the end. Yeah, um, that support is, is definitely the aftermarket really support for a lot of like, you know, a lot of these brands like Honda. That's the reason why Honda sets the community so big is just the support behind it is just you, you can literally find any part for the cheapest possible and or yep. the engineering is built specifically where all of them kind of align in some capacity. So I get that for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's it's also the community builds a community because the car is so reliable and there's so many still on the road. The community lasts forever. I yeah. mean, that's the funny thing. Like, why is Honda so big? Well, because they don't break down. So you can keep them and pass them on and have extras and have build you know, with your friends. And it's like, so part of that is also the fun part of you get both mix. You get the professional side from the manufacturer and you get a community that self, you know, reciprocates and builds itself. So mm -hmm. very cool and very fun. Um, yeah. So those are the things I've learned. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about just to kind of like um, get into it is our, our relationship as far as friends, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. It's one of those things where I, you know, as I've been working here for almost the same amount of time, bro, that I've been in Fresh Descendants, you know, which is crazy. So kind of when I met you, I was kind of started working here, you know what I mean? And um, one of the things I've noticed as I've been working here and then breaking, it's very similar, bro. Like, like, the, like a lot of the lifestyle and the way that things work in the automotive community kind of s aligns with the b-boy community. A lot, that's the reason why if you go to like a Tune Revolution event or something like that or car meets, there's always some like b-boy battle that might be happening or something like that. You yeah. know, so it's like it's a weird cross reference that a lot of people will get. You know what I'm saying? Especially if they are B-boys, which B-boy mm -hmm. is short for break boy. And I'm not going to go into all that. But <laughs> one of the yeah, but one of the things that's the reason why me and Garrett know each other is yep. me and Garrett are part of this crew called Fresh Descendants, which is actually originated in um, Arizona. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the members actually moved to Seattle and then that same member moved to New York for a little bit and they, that member got to know us uh, individually, and now all of a sudden, me and Garrett are part of the same crew, and we've built a relationship off of that. Uh, as as far as like him coming to travel here, and us being in in different areas in the United States together, competing together, and all that. So uh, one of the things I wanted to kind of talk to you about is, do you feel like breaking and and kind of uh, the automotive community align in some capacity, and how did they align for you? 
I, I agree with you. I think that definitely, I mean, the B-boy community, B-girl community, but also I think hip-hop community a little bit yes, uh, definitely yes, yes. overlaps with the culture of, like, car community. I I, I want to say that this is definitely, um, it's all, you know, car culture has always been around, right? You know, our grandfathers and old people always hot-rodded, right? Yeah. So hot-rodders have always been around. But car culture, I think, is definitely, like, dwindled in 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 generations as they've come around. And I just mean that in the fact that, like, I, I was not – it was not available to me even in high school to take metal shop. There wasn't one. Like all the stuff I got was because pop taught me. And so if, I, if pop didn't teach me, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a community out there that was just going to start to teach. Now I know that you know in the past some generations they did have those types of things so you could learn that and maybe you're at your local school or maybe even at your local community you know, center or something like that. But I don't see that as much. And so I think part of that is, is a direct line that lies right over b-boying. Breaking is, is a fringe you know, kind of, I guess, idea. It's part of hip hop culture, which which is definitely not like the main mainstay. Um, you know, hip hop culture. You know, I would say on the outskirts, as opposed to you know just rap and entertainment um, or music culture from that side. Where hip hop is, yes, you know, singing, rapping is part of it, but there's four other elements to it, and so dancing being one of those. It's on the fringe. It's it's not just known about you. you we only are recently in the last. I would say five years, even seeing it on the television the way that That's we're right. seeing it. When me and right. Louise started doing this, I mean, it was you may not ever see where these events were. They were in a back alley, uh, in a warehouse. But then when you got there, there was 150 people super dedicated to this community and they were all going wild and the music was hot and it was definitely the place to be, but none of the masses were seeing it. And so I think some of that overlay of each one teach one that comes from breaking definitely yes. overlays directly onto our, like our like automotive community. If we don't hot rod and teach our other younger generations about these, you know, how to do work on your car. What what are the fundamentals of like mechanical engineering? How do these systems fundamentally work so you can understand what you're looking at? Or you can understand how to diagnose your car so you're not at the mercy of just somebody else telling you. You know, what does it mean to work on an ignition system? What what is power going to? What is grounding? What 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 are these fundamental systems? What does a hydraulic fluid do? Well, how does it even work? So that if you were taking something apart, you could be safe. Well, I know it's hydraulic fluid, even if I don't know what it's doing, I know how it should behave, you know. And I think we have to teach each other those things, just like we have to teach each other our styles in b-boy. If we want to, you know, have our crew, we, we have you know crew moves, we have crew uh, identity that we build when we make like routines and we make like our own storytelling when we like do big crew battles. And so that only comes from us coming together and then teaching each other. So I think that overlay is directly from communities like the automotive community, which again, not on the fringe, but definitely the teaching of it is not like in our mainstay, it feels like. So I think some of that is the direct relation. It is a community focused having to having to give its own life to itself. Otherwise, it would actually just fizzle. You know, again, if, if, even like the wheels that you guys make, like if you guys didn't want to see cool wheels on cars and you just were like, well, we'll just not do that because it's just like it's not mainstream, then it just wouldn't survive itself. You know, nobody would no no big manufacturer would come out and be like, let's make more wheels for less money. They'd be like, no, let's just make it at as minimum as we can to make maximum profit. I mean, again, manufacturers and and a lot of businesses are are kind of beholden to profit sharing and profit margin. So if that's the case, publicly traded you know companies have to behold to that. Okay, yeah. no problem. But that means that our community has to step up to be like, well, if these people aren't going to teach us, or if the mainstays of our education system aren't going to teach us these things then we have to teach each other these things. We have to be our community. It, it takes a village to raise you know, the generation below us. So if we want our generation to be hot rodders, we got to teach them how to hot rod. 
and we got to bring them into our shops and we got to say, all right, well then start holding the flashlight, man. And I'll show you how these systems work. And then I'm going to try to have you do this on your car or maybe a broken car and see if you mess it up. If you do, we'll make sure we make fun of you and then you won't ever do it again. <laughs> we'll tease you in front of all the guys at the shop and you'll, you'll never do it again. It'll be great. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's like one of those things. It's like the discipline part. Like yes. there's obviously also the, the aesthetically beautiful things of like the car community and breaking itself, you know what I mean? But the dissection of how you do like a gearhead, for example, goes, breaks apart everything and puts it back together and tries to refix it. It's the same thing with breaking, man. It's yep. like what we do. It's like the people outside of that don't really do it. Can't see what we're doing when you love this. And that's yep. the reason what makes it so beautiful like uh, when you finish up a, a project or when you execute a breaking move. And those things to me are similar in a sense where it's like this mad scientist thing. That's why I was actually showing him like uh, Amir and and stripes and stuff like that. And I was telling yep. him the reason why I like the way these guys break is because they're not the, the quintessential B-boy. You know what I'm saying? In a sense where right. they're like putting stuff together and saying, you know what? Let me try this move and reinvent it. And now all of a sudden a new breaking style comes alive. And the same mm -hmm. thing with car community. It's a lot of the things that we do, you know, from the evolution to where it was, to how it is now, to how you were saying that ECU, the way that our ECU is built now could change the whole trajectory of how the car is built to now horsepower like you know the We're way that the, that there's the, the, the level of horsepower that a car hits compared to the 80s and 90s is insanity yep. to mm -hmm. now we're going into a world where we have a hybrid ev chevy uh um corvette, uh, corvette coming out you know yep. like it's insane that we've gotten to this level and i'm actually very excited to see what we're going to do in this car community because that's a, that's the one thing that i love it's evolution some people hate it you know, because that's what we do as a community. We hate things that when they evolve, you know, for me specifically, I see these EV thing and the hybrids coming in. I think hybrid is the right way to go. That's just my personal opinion, you know, because I think we have to test the waters with that first before we go full EV. That's just my opinion. You know, sure. but I think, you know, uh, like the way where we're going it's a beautiful thing, man. I think to me specifically seeing what what we can do and engineer in the car community when it comes to EVs is, is spectacular and I'm ready it for it. It is me too. I think, uh, Rich, I mean, I, I don't know what you feel about EVs and, and about, uh, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too excited cars. about the EV <laughs> stuff. I mean, I, I like this, guy, this I, guy's I, a, an internal combustion dude. Listen, you know I saying? like, I like hybrid cars to an extent, but, uh, if they have to go electric in any sense, I'd much rather a hybrid than, uh, EV total. But you know, uh, I don't know how the whole future thing is gonna is gonna happen. I think hybrid is not. It, it's. It, I think it's already pretty obvious that it's more sustainable. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't see why there's a reason to avoid it. Um, the EV stuff. I, I think there's gonna be a point where it kind of crashes and burns. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Yep. All these companies are making me feel like that they have the wrong, uh, you know, mindset of what they're trying to do for the future. They're all saying, "Hey, we're gonna scrap everything we've ever done." start from scratch and go EV total. And it's like, yep. it's like you well, guys have years and years of experience of combustion engines and you have the access to, you know, electric motors and stuff like that, battery power stuff, and just, you know, intertwine it and then make a, a really good vehicle. But now they're just saying, eh, we'll throw that out, all the years of work that we did. You know, I don't know. That's why, that's why when the CEO of Toyota said like, yo, I, scrap that, we're going to do hybrid because this is what we know. I think it's the right move, man. Yeah. I think... Mixing a little bit with what you know and what you don't know and making something that can 
evolutionize as time progresses and then while we learn and but that's the right way to do it but to sit there and say like yo by this time we have to go full ev to me yeah, it just doesn't make sense because we don't know it's, a, it's an Ex unknown especially a time frame that's crazy you know yeah the time like, frame to me is insane you know what i mean but, I agree. but I mean, that's what you get when you when you get like politicians getting involved into something that they don't know they just want to put their footprint into something and then just say this is it deal with it when it's like yo all these years of engineering that we've done you're just really just going to throw it out in the garbage and say we start all over it's just no, insane not only that but we all i mean how do you account for like like we just had like a global standstill for two years with the pandemic like how can you put a date on it be like you know 2035 this has to happen by then who knows what's going to happen in the world yeah hey, another another pandemic hits or something like that that takes off another two years i mean yeah. and they made zero progress in that time they might have went back you know, ten steps during that time because of you know, uh, you know, supply chains and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I don't know. That. That's been a problem. I mean, supply yeah. chains is one of the bigger things that we've noticed in, in oh, EVs. Yeah. The fact that we don't have the availability to make that type of stuff. All you industries I mean? are feeling that though. It's not not even just automotive. Every industry is feeling this this problem. So you know, of course. Dude, look what happened to GM, bro. Yeah. Like, you know that yeah. whole the, the whole recall of the car. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just it's just we don't want to deal with that again. And I think, that's I, I, I think it's going to lead to cutting corners. I think it's going to exactly. you know, trying to meet the the deadline, the deadline. That, that they set and it's going to end up with cutting corners and a crappy product. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's the right move. Now, here's a, now here's a silver lining to this cloud that I think both of you will like because I've been thinking about this too. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a, like you said, there's this big rollout. Like Lexus is going to go all EV. Right, and Volvo is going to go all EV. Right. Now, now, again, some of those things I get for certain things, right? Like I, I get, okay, so if you get a Lexus EV, it's already luxury. So luxury is mostly like about sound, comfort, delivery. Okay, maybe that can be done with a hybrid or an EV totally because you're not trying to do sport. But the other side of it that I love, if all these companies, which some of them are like Lotus, it's going EV. They're gonna give us the last hurrah of their combustion motor. Well, which is uh, like the, uh, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Which is like the Emira, uh, the Corolla GR. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all these like ones that you're seeing. That, like, and so if 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 I mean even I mean I would say the biggest one that I've seen is like Dodge. So Dodge is releasing like their I think it's called like their like Ace of Spades pack or whatever, and they they're basically giving you like all of their concept cars that they did yes. before. Like they're doing like the King Daytona charger which is extra wide but it's got a wide body and then it's got fender flares on the wide <laughs> body and so like they're releasing all of the ones that they made for like the concept shows for sema for like the last eight years they're like remember all these ones we brought to sema mm -hmm. okay for the last hurrah you can order all of these you have to order them yes they'll be more expensive but you can have this the crazy scat super pack you can have the yep. king daytona you can have <laughs> the charger uh, uh demon special you, you know so it's like if if that is also the other side of it then we, as the gentlemen who are of the right age, potentially, and maybe the earning power, we have a potential opportunity to get some of the sweetest engineering stuff we're going to get from some of these manufacturers, and it'll come with a warranty. <laughs> That's definitely true. But then, you know, the I think about, you know, also down the line, people are not going to have... Uh, growing up with the same type of stuff that we had. Like, But that's what you, happens. But that sucks, man. I yeah. mean, you know... I, I remember first time, you know, ripping a VTEC car, you hear a crossover, and you're like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, you know, the kids are going to grow up with, like, hey, man, like, yo, look at this screen. Yo, this is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, this, this can call my mom with, with me thinking, <laughs> you know, it's like that. that's the highlight to their childhood of their automotive career. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame. Where yeah. That's we, where the community has to come in, like you said. Like that's where we have to yes. keep yeah. those yes. kids into that type of stuff and yes. be like, yes, this is what you do to get to work. 
and yeah. to get to class. And this is what your bus is going to run yeah. on. But you can have this little Datsun 510. And we got a sweet little intake manifold on here that screams <laughs> all the yeah. way to 10 grand. Right, right. And everybody in their silent cars will look at you as you rip past them. Mm -hmm. So the other thing, I guess, is, is as long as we keep, I think, like our communities alive. And I think the biggest thing is like, like you said, the the leaders don't understand it, I don't think. They're, yeah. they're moving with, with whichever way the pendulum swings to get them reelected because it's yeah. not going to affect their bottom dollar. And I don't even think they're most of them, except for maybe like people like, you know, Jesse Ventura when he was like the governor of California. Like some of those guys like cars, but most of them are politics. They don't care about cars. They care about power and what exactly. their next move is. In fact, they don't like cars. They, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, most of them. Yeah, they they yeah. drive around in cars, or actually, they get driven get around. Driven around. Yeah. They don't care. They're going to meetings. Cars are literally just a part of the transportation of their life. Exactly. Yep. Um. So I guess the other side is that we as voters really need to make sure that we protect what we love. We need to protect Absolutely. the ideas of like. Our, we talk about tracks. this all the time. We need to keep that type mm -hmm. of taxes down on specialty cars. So maybe we we maybe we charge more for just the EVs. But if you have a specialty car, or we allow like smaller manufacturers to make more of these older cars, maybe a manufacturer like we've seen with Singer Porsche. Now that's an extreme because they're very expensive. But if you had more of those companies allowed to make VINs, and they didn't have to compete with GM at the tax level or all those types of safety levels, but they were like, we're only going to do limited purchases, but they're not going to be crazy expensive. And you can have an old. Datsun 510. You can have an old 240 that we're going to rebuild. You can have an old uh, Isuzu. You know, we're doing impulses. We're doing crazy weird JDM ones. But if you could allow companies to do that, not only would you bring manufacturing back into America, but you could then have those fun cars that would be available at a cheaper price because your average person would just buy a people mover. Yeah, yeah, let me get the Prius. This moves me around. But I have 18 different companies that make That's all these right. other cool small cars with these little tiny different motors, kind of like when Mini used to be like you could get a Mini Morris or you could get a Mini Lotus or a Mini Austin, and they all had just different motors. Yeah. So maybe we can get back to some of those days where, again, we just get rid of a little bit of the government regulation that kind of restricted us because we were so much about people safety and moving them around and just say, okay, yeah, most people are still safe because most of them are now driving the electrics, the hybrids. They have extra safety features and let the enthusiasts really enthuse. Let them be there. There's not enough of them to cause much of a problem. And again, I think we get lumped in our enthusiast group. I mean, Richard, Luis, tell me if I'm wrong. I think we get lumped in with some of that takeover styling and some of that like absolutely yeah yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. i don't think that is what we are it's unfair kind of to be thing. honest yeah yeah it's kind yeah. of unfair that I, we we get lumped into that you know so, yes yeah. but so it's, it's that's what we are from the outside perspective so <laughs> yeah from the outside perspective i mean it's the same thing again i'm i like to reference with b-boying and one of the things that we talk about here all the time is it's like he He's very aware, actually, of how breaking works, which is actually very cool because he has I mean, friends. Man's got and style. Look at how look at his. They, look at his yeah, 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 bro. <laughs> yeah, Ma Max was saying I took this style from Louise, which I beg to, <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> but but wait, you know, one of the some of the things that he'll ask me, he'll be like, "Yo, you know, what do you think of like power moves taking over, like, the, you know, the way that that you know." dancing style like you know right. just being able to dance up top and stuff and footwork and i'm like yo that's that's very insightful of you to see that but not <laughs> everyone sure. sees it like that people see braking and they see they think power moves it's the same yep. thing with cars right people see cars and they think fast and the furious yeah and it's true that's takeover true. And, and people sitting there road racing each other on the regular streets it's like right. bro not everybody's like that we the majority especially people who are around our age and stuff like that. We like to do things properly. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to always be on the streets. I don't want to be on the streets, although I had a time period where I was on the streets. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that that's what I am now. Mm -hmm. And majority of us, I feel like, are not 
the takeover people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really speak too much on b-boying, but I will say, like, we're from New York, so like when you're on the subways in New York, sometimes like sometimes you get those guys who come onto the subway and they just start doing a yeah. whole routine, and they you know they're up in everyone's faces and stuff like that. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but is that something like equivalent to like a takeover kind of. in the in the automotive? It's some capacity, like, some capacity. You know, so like they, they're hanging from upside down from the from the rails in the subway and stuff like yeah. that. You know, they're they're dancing on top of people and whatnot. We actually call those guys hitters. Hitters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I gotta say, I call like, them annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> bang bang <laughs> <laughs> um but i gotta say i think also with our generation some of that is the difference of like clout chasing so yeah. when i remember doing some of the street races and stuff like even around the pacific northwest you know mm -hmm. i'm gonna knock on wood it wasn't the smartest thing to do by all yeah. means because it was dangerous what we were absolutely doing. Dude, we were out there at 2 34 in the morning yeah. Nobody was on the street. We didn't tell nobody about it. We were yep. only like messaging our friends that were going to be there. Ain't nobody filming shit. Or if you did, it was like only on the worst, you know, camcorder anyway. And nobody yeah. was putting it online. <laughs> it was for us to look at later and to like brag or to like put on if we had girls over or something. Be like, yep, check out the handbrake turn. I did that. Uh, <laughs> I did that. But, but, but you know what I mean? Like the idea is that now the takeover scene seems again more like we're going to take this street over. We're going to maybe even hit people, break cars. That's, but then we're going to actually film crazy. it to try to get a million views. There wasn't a million views to get. In fact, we kept our shit low. Yeah, because we were actually like gonna get caught. And Absolutely. We were like, that's evidence. That's that's admissible. We can't. Right. Bro, do here, that. <laughs> here, bro, we would go to like a like an abandoned like, like like uh like factory area yeah. where there, we made sure like we're not gonna hit anyone or there's anything you know. Not only that, we but but then again. Still, it was still stupid. Yo, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not knocking the fact that it was stupid. Speaking <laughs> of what Garrett just said, remember I showed you that video of he was saying, I like to keep it low. I didn't want all the views. Remember I showed you that, that thing about that YouTuber who got his house raided? Because, yes. because of videos that lived on his YouTube channel of, of him, like, I don't know, speeding or something. Yeah. And, like, you know, he had those videos of him just messing around in, like, a track hawk or something yeah. uh, on his YouTube channel. And they ended up raiding his house. Uh, for because and they had a warrant out for his arrest because of that. Like yeah. th that's some crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't, that whole story. I was like, I don't know about that story. Well, I well, mean, I'll send it to you, Garrett, so you can kind of check out what it, it is. It's a crazy video. The, a crazy the police video. like like raid his house completely. Like yeah. you know, multiple people. But he's a YouTuber too. Yeah, so. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but. But again, if you break the law and then you have evidence of you breaking the law, yeah. you put it on a public forum and then the entities <laughs> that are supposed to keep that law and check the, oh, he sent us the crime he committed. Let's just get him. It's just like, well, I mean, if you're going to snitch on yourself, I mean, like, <laughs> you know what else you're supposed to do, right? It's true. Tell me, uh, point in court, who did that? Yeah. I did. Uh, me. <laughs> that's true so yeah i mean that's true but i think that's a difference too i mean when we were coming up even the first cars i remember you know kind of messing around with our street racing stuff again not smart because we could have gotten hurt mostly, absolutely but mm -hmm. we were down key nobody knew about it we were low key stuff. In fact, we low weren't trying key. to tell people about it because yeah. we wanted to keep doing it and not get you know arrested or honestly get our cars taken away yeah so but i think now, also nowadays it seems a different mindset completely <laughs> but i think it's also social media man social yeah. media yes, made yeah. it a little bit different it, it made it like you said clout chasing type of stuff so the, yeah, the crazier it is stuff, right. yeah the crazier it is the more views you get on it like legitimately it's just what it is you know that's everything yeah. across across the board not just car community anything the crazier yeah. you do it the more likes and views you get you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah. person jumps you know not saying person jumps off a bridge and lands on a on a on something it gets a thousand views it's insane that we live yeah. in this type of era but it, it is what it is you know what i'm saying yeah. so I mean, again, we just have to work with it. But I just think that's a difference that I'm noticing because I think that is 
that crowd or that group is not necessarily the engineering group that we all grew up Absolutely. with, the lovers of the racers Absolutely. and the lovers of the actual engine, like learning of the car. I think, again, those people, because I see them break their cars and, and destroy some of their bikes and stuff. So I'm like, I think you're more about, again, that video and your machine is just a way to get that clout. And Bro. we are more the community that's like, I don't care what car you got. Tell me about how you built this. Tell me about what you did in your style to make it. And I mean, I think like we were saying, the cultures from around the world too change. Like you go to Japan, you got the Bozuko guys building something crazy out there. You, you go to South America, they have cars I've never even seen. They have like Volkswagens that like, you know, you never got in any other country that they tune completely up to be like Porsches. I mean, I think some of that stuff is, is you know, it's always totally out there for people to find their own style. But I don't know if all of the things get tied to our automotive community is necessarily, you know, really our community. You know what I mean? Bro, it's a true story. We were at at a at a tuning shop over here, and this like so that we were like doing a car walk around of this guy's car, and we and he's also a, um he was a a, a mechanic there, so mm -hmm. he was like, yo, can you hold on? And he left his mic on, so he had to go see a, a customer and talk to the customer. And the customer right. literally was like this young kid. He had I think a three fifty Z. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I don't know. Oh, maybe it was a uh, um. An infinity. I'm not sure. It was one. Anyways, sure. doesn't matter. Uh, he goes up to. They're talking to each other. He's like, "Yo, I want my car to be loud and fast." That's all he <laughs> says, bro. He doesn't say like. And and the guy's like, "What are you talking about? Like, uh, we can't." You know. He's like, "No, I want it to sound." And then he shows him a video. I want it to sound like this. And I'm like, "Oh, man. oh this is the type of people we're dealing with nowadays. These are the car guys of yeah. this time." Yeah, that, yeah. If you want to call it that. <laughs> But again, the car was pretty sweet. It wasn't a. But, uh, it wasn't a. It wasn't a, a bad looking car. It's just like, sure. he's just not the typical. You know, he just wants to do what the next man is doing or yeah. the next woman is doing. Yeah, yeah, it kills innovation. It kills creativity. Exactly. You not know. trying. Yeah, I don't know. No, yep, I'm not. I agree. I think that's and that I think is what we as a community have to keep pushing against. We have to keep teaching the people, bringing people together, and those young people be like, actually, that's not what's going to get you what you want. What you really want to do is you want the knowledge, you want to learn, so you can be this like intelligent about your car. You can work on yeah. this stuff. You can make it faster, and it'll always you know because you know most of those like you said that clout chasing isn't going to actually make them feel like they have a better car because as soon as they don't get those views, it's going to be like, well, I hate my car. It's like, well, then you weren't really into cars, man, because. I know some guys, man, their car blows up four or five times. They're like, nope, new motor, going yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just keep punishing themselves. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, yeah. But it's yeah, a bro. Community for sure. With that said, man, I think we're already an hour in. I knew we, we oh, knew we, we were going to do an hour. Yeah, bro. I, I knew I knew <laughs> we were going to do that. I knew it. I had a feeling. I was like, well, I know Garrett, me and Garrett are going to. Just talk about everything. Anything, you know? yeah. Sure. And we like, did. You know, we literally touched on just about everything. <laughs> except, you know, what you know, where do you think? When do you think we're gonna go into space with cars? No, I'm just <laughs> no, 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 let's, let's not get into that it. one up there. Shoot, <laughs> it's orbiting. <laughs> no, but Garrett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Literally, thank you so much, man. Because uh, it's guys. something that we was on the works already. So I appreciate that you taking the time to talk to us to let us know about what's going on with you and the Nam Sang group and uh, the shop and everything. Mm -hmm. It was just really interesting stuff and also your projects and stuff. And obviously, as you know, uh, one of the things that we always say is when we have uh, guests on here, when you want to work together, you let me know. We can work together. You know what I'm saying? I know you have projects going on, so we're already on the works of kind of figuring that out. So yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, man. Thank and you again. Gotta, I mean, I would love to have to. I mean, again, I, I kind of have a unique position working at the shop. So if there's a way that we can make, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, shop and uh, Kong Wheel collaboration happen yeah. and do a big show out in Seattle, I would love to do something like that. And we should definitely talk about that. Maybe even one that goes to all the shops. Yes, Travel sir. something around, make something really cool. But I'd love to, you know, again, continue to work with you. I mean, we're going to have a relationship anyway, Luis. I mean, our friendship ain't going to stop. Uh, yep, yep. And Richard, it's been great to meet you. Thanks yeah, for, for having me on today. It was awesome. Um, again, I, I just want to say again, I, I'd love to, if I can, just a moment, plug some of the, some of the, yeah, man, guess, please, uh, please that do. we have out here again. I mean, people, if they want to follow along, uh, Alan and Walter's group, uh, Nam saying, and, and, uh, of course you can hear me on the podcast for the Nam saying cars and convo podcast. You can follow us at, at, uh, at Nam saying, um, you can follow Walter at waffle design and you can follow Al Michael Franco at Al Michael Franco. Um, uh, reach out to us uh, if you want to talk to anything on the pod. You can reach out to uh, any of us and uh, give us feedback at namsan07 at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me. I'm uh, G underscore rat 206 uh, on Instagram. Um, I'll be putting up a bunch of stuff for the FD and the uh, and the ARC-7 will be uh, hitting a lot of uh, shows this coming season as it's been a long time coming. So I know Luis will be uh, yeah. kind of maybe even help me out with some uh, wheel choices, which would be fantastic. So Again, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much for what you do. Um, love both of you guys. And uh, yeah, peace. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you, Thank Garrett. You, Garrett. Have a good awesome. one, man. Have a great I'll one, guys. I'll talk to you soon. I'll hit you up text message. All righty. Sounds good. Thanks, Thank Luis. You, Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Yeah, man. So I knew that conversation was going to be easy. Actually, we talked about it before. We were like, you know, when you have rapport with someone and you kind of know them, the mm -hmm. conversation becomes easier. And right. he, you know, and not only the fact that he's a true gearhead, mm -hmm. like literally to the point where me and you were just kind of just listening to him talk because yeah. there's certain things that he's doing and his project that we're not, you know, I've never worked on an FD, so I don't know what me it's like either. or a rotary project, you know. So it's kind of interesting to kind of hear him talk about that. And uh, yeah, man, I'm appreciative of that. But with that said, guys, thank you so much for joining us on another podcast. Uh, make sure to tune in every Friday where we have a piece of content that we throw up this week. What are we doing this week? Uh, wheel tech wheel tech all right so make sure you tune in this friday where we're gonna have on our youtube channel where we're gonna drop a wheel tech uh what was it about again i'm trying to i'm trying to think what what this this uh it's a top five tips on if you just got new wheels and tires there you go top five tips if you got new wheels and tires there you go. so basically it's just just you know from the conic perspective giving you some tips on how to maintain those wheels and make sure that you're not dealing with problems in the past like i have you know i Long story short, let's say I had a truck back in the day, and for some reason I couldn't take off the tire because, I mean the tire, the wheel, because I installed the lug nuts incorrectly, and it bit me in the ass because it cost me a lot more money, and I hated that. So this this uh, piece of content is basically helping you avoid that, so make sure you tune in this Friday on our YouTube channel, on top of the fact that in about a few, well, this already passed, but uh, we're going to be doing a, um, every Wednesday we do a live Q&A on our Instagram where we answer any of the questions that you have. So basically, if you want to ask us from what we're eating and lunch to what ball pattern uh, wheel you need and all that, I don't know. Whatever it is, you ask us <laughs> at 2 p.m. live every Wednesday and we'll answer it. Uh, and we're here live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. And, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Make sure to like and subscribe our YouTube channel. We appreciate you all, and we'll talk to you very soon. Happy Wheel Wednesday. Peace.